0: Good day and welcome to another Forge Side Chat, a podcast about blacksmithing, bladesmithing and everything in
1: between, with a heavy focus on talent in the Great White North. We're talking about Canada, eh? And uh, Canada's a monarchy. I don't know if you knew that. And yeah, I'm pretty disappointed in Prince Andrew. Ooh. Yikes. Yeah. Makes you wonder, eh? No. It no. Makes you well. wonder yeah anyways (laughs) take off eh take off eh did this show get inappropriate within like 60 seconds where are you going with that that's not what i was uh, i
0: ain't wondering about that that's for sure
1: no no i mean like this world makes you wonder about this world yeah yeah no kidding no kidding well, this week in The Forge, we've got <laughs> Paul Reimer, and he's giggling in the background. We've got it going
0: already, eh? Yeah, perfect. Welcome, welcome to Canada's number one podcast about blacksmithing, bladesmithing, and freaking comedy, man. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm already laughing. I can't even barely talk. I'm laughing so hard. <laughs>
0: Hopefully we can keep it going this time, eh? Yeah. yeah.
1: (laughs) That's what she said. (laughs) So, like I was saying, today in The Forge, we've got Paul Reimer. He's the apprentice of John Smith of Kootenay Forge. Paul actually started blacksmithing when he was 15. Now he works out of his own shop in Cranbrook, British Columbia. Although his his work is vast, Paul's passion is making public art. But like he said... If you got the money, he'll make it for you. <laughs> L- yeah. yeah, we just got to put food on the table. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Before we uh jump and talk to Paul, Lyndon, how are you doing? Uh,
0: Pretty good, man. Pretty good. but uh, good? Yeah, it's been a tough week, man, actually, to be honest. I'm a little... <laughs> I think my stress levels have finally kind of subsided because I I see the the sun on the horizon here. Um, We got a hot tub with our new place and one of the pumps went on it. And the way that it went, it was very odd because it seemingly was still working. And everyone I was talking to about it, I was talking to multiple people about it, Got all these different ideas, but the number one thing that everybody kept on coming back to was that there was an airlock in the system, and that I need to needed to disconnect the pump while it was running to try to release the airlock. Oh God, dude, I had water everywhere. It's minus freaking 30 outside. My I am f- freezing cold. Like my hands were just blocks of ice, and I had to do it barehanded too. Right, like yeah, if I'm yeah. doing it with gloves, and my gloves would have been soaking wet, and then they would have been blocked. That's exactly what happened. Actually, before I went to bare hands man i had to have a a little space heater out there trying to keep myself warm thankfully the hot tub we have is an arctic spas hot tub so it's built for northern climate and the tub itself isn't what's insulated it's there's a big surround around the tub the wooden box that's what's insulated so it actually keeps all that
1: heat in that box versus just in the water right you need to get that thing fixed and then jump in have and just a cold beer and relax. I've I'm taking a break from beer, dude. Are you? Yeah,
0: I've uh, decided that, and this isn't a New Year's thing either, or anything like that. I don't like. I drank after New Year's. I'm pretty sure. I don't know where. I don't know where it came from. I was just like, you know what? I should probably take a break from drinking because seems kind of getting to be excessive to her, dude. Like, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'll,
1: I'll, yeah, I'll cause, yeah. It's it's not good for you. I it's just, been an yeah. enemy of mine, dude. So, yeah, I, I yeah. got to keep it tame. I got to tame, tame the beast. Well, I'll be doing all the style of you then. I've got a couple beside me. Sweet. What do you yeah. got? Yeah. Uh, tonight I've got a, uh, what is this? Oh, you got, the got that. And Lad Brewery. It's tea and beer. And I've got a Wolves, Raised by Wolves IPA. I've never had this one. Hoping, uh, hoping, hope is good. Hope it's yeah, good. I've never heard of that one. Speaking of which, of, of wolves. Yeah. What did you just do today? Well, on the last podcast, I was talking about going out for a tattoo and waiting for a cancellation. This morning when on my phone. There was a tattoo cancellation by uh, the tattoo artist that I wanted to go see. So messaged him and he said, "Yeah, you're in. Come for noon." So I went and got inked, and I got a wolf on my forearm. So it's like cool. uh, American traditional. It's uh, it was, it was it's on the inside of my arm, on my forearm. It's a bit tender there. Kind of yeah. it hurts. Yeah, <laughs> it's it, it's needles that like poke into your skin and yeah, rip it up rip it up no no he was fantastic just uh yeah i forget how much how much pain that was well that's a sensitive spot man yeah 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 yeah.
0: i'm i'm planning to get one
1: a little bit further up the arm than that on the inside that's that's gonna be arduous oh yeah oh yeah in the shop anything or just stress
0: Tried to rebuild the pump that had a spare oh, pump shit. sitting on the shelf. We tried to rebuild it, and that was a no. freaking headache and a half. Damn, uh, damn. I, I was, I guess, since our last recording, I was in the shop. I did a couple fire pokers, which I've posted to Instagram. And other than that, yeah, I have, haven't have been in there all too much, man, unfortunately. so. Okay. cool. Yeah. What oh, about we, well. you? What are you doing uh, in the shop?
1: This week, I heat treated some stainless steel which is uh, not the first time I do it, but the first time I do cryo with it. Oh, yeah. Although um, Dr. Laren Thomas put out a video pretty much while I was heat treating my knives, and I learned some stuff during the cryo treatment or during his video that would have improved my blade a little bit, but right. I was, uh, yeah. What you use for the cryo? I went and picked up some dry ice and some alcohol, uh, 99% alcohol, and yeah, yeah, put the blades in there, clamped it all up so that it would not uh, warp on me. They ended up nice and straight, but I did it in between tempers, which was probably, from what I learned from the video that Dr. Laren Thomas put out, I should have gone straight from the kiln, to room temperature, to the cryo, and that gives you an improved hardness. The interruption by the temper pretty much negated most of what happened during the cryo. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah, learned some shit, which is perfect. And uh, it's, I was making two filleting knives, which was kind of uh, an experience because you're going super thin and trying not to burn out the blades or like over, overheat them, which I didn't have any issues with. Um, that misting system worked great and for using fresh belts. What stainless were you using? S35VN. And I also did some AEBL as well. Okay, cool. Three knives, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because I was
0: just – I've been a little bit behind on my podcast game lately and I was listening to the Forgecast and they had somebody that wrote in and said if I was to want to use – I want to step up my game. I want to use stainless steel. What stainless steel can I use without having a high-end heat treatment system going on? um you know say for example not having cryo not having quench plates and this and that and uh, the answer that came back was 440c and okay you still it'll still work you'll still get a decent hardness out of it but you're not you'll get a way better hardness if you get your uh cryo cryo down with it yeah or quench plates or whatever if
1: you actually do a full cryo that gets down to like with liquid nitrogen you'll drop it to minus 300 degrees fahrenheit that's so crazy the, uh the the dry ice and alcohol mixture i think it's like negative 120 or something i think, that's I think right. it was yeah. minus 90 celsius i don't i don't recall what it is in fahrenheit but the a fridge or your freezer for 24 hours apparently does just as well as your dry ice so so i am driving around getting these supplies you and, should uh, just do is wait for a nice cold day it's below
0: mine it has day. to be below minus 18 dude they, that's what they said on the forge oh
1: no, no. way okay. yeah
0: your freezer has to be colder than minus 18 and, and you then you're just toss the sucker outside and that's what i'm saying yeah we're <laughs> in canada it's like minus 40 out there well it won't be this weekend this weekend's gonna be nice apparently minus oh. three tomorrow or something no way
1: Fuck I yeah. need to go catch a fish so I can try out these filleting knives. That's my uh, potential goal of the weekend. I, I might go buy an anvil. An an <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well. Enough about
0: us. Yeah, no oh, kidding. Dude, man. How you doing, man? Well, I got pretty
2: excited there when you said you might go buy an anvil. Like, Yeah. And, tell like, us the, more. I was just like, I just said today, I said, I haven't bought an anvil in a while. I was just saying that today. It's, not, it's super like one of my most favorite things in the world to do is go buy an anvil.
0: Yeah, this one, and this is on a whim too. The guy uh, had posted something else for sale and then we got to chatting and he's like, would you have any interest in an anvil? And he sent me a picture of it and it's like this, uh, one of those Peter Wrights that has the little – I don't know round shootout piece off the side of it. I don't know what that's considered. If that's a farrier's anvil yeah, or a, what?
2: That's a farrier's anvil, and that is for making toe clips on horses. That's horseshoes. what I
0: thought. That was the the clipping yeah. part, yeah. right? So okay. So
2: the so the toe clip goes up the hoof and keeps the the. Sometimes when uh, horses are going downhill, they can get they can shear off the horse horseshoes. Oh, wow yeah and so that toe clip keeps the horseshoe nails from getting sheared off right Hmm. so no use for those in the prairies (laughs) 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 yeah yeah but you think about it if you had a draft horse with a wagon behind him uh going down a hill there's quite a bit of force there right for sure so yeah interesting yeah
0: there you go there's a Tad bit of uh, information that you didn't know before, I bet, eh?
2: Yeah, just a cesspool of information. Watch <laughs> out. Awesome. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> yeah. I uh, yeah, Actually, uh, um, when I first started at Fort Steele, uh, um, I used to do demonstrations for the public as kind of the village smithy guy, right? And so people would come in, and the first question everyone would ask me is, are you making a horseshoe? <laughs> and, and and sometimes like i would be making i don't know whatever um i i had like a little line of gift items that we sold that helped finance the blacksmith program at, at, at the museum so i'd be making like a dinner bell and uh um uh, uh, lots of times you know a mom would come in and say now Tommy, you see that? That's a blacksmith. And right now he's making a horseshoe. And I was making a dinner bell. Uh, Ling-a-ling-a-ling-a-ling. Right, right? And it's like, uh, actually, Tommy, uh, I'm making a dinner bell. This is not a horseshoe. The horseshoes are not triangles. Um, (laughs) So, um, but I I learned, because I was working at Fort Steele, I had never done anything with horseshoes. And I learned quite a bit about horseshoes. And so I actually learned why a horseshoe is lucky. Do you guys know why a horseshoe's lucky?
1: No. I've heard different stories, but I'd I'd like to hear your story. Well, my
2: story that I heard is that um, it's quite common for a horse to throw a shoe. So that means that when you're walking, riding your horse or riding your wagon or whatever, the shoe will fall off of the horse. Uh, The horseshoe nails come loose um, and the, the shoe falls off and you don't know it's happened. And so the shoe is left on the trail or on the road. And so what happens is the next guy who's coming down the road finds this horseshoe laying on the road. Right. And it's his lucky day because he picks up that horseshoe. And the next time he goes to the blacksmith, he only has to pay for three horseshoes instead of four. Uh Aha. So it's kind of like driving down the road and finding a radial tire on the side of the road that fits on your car. And you're like, Sweet. It's my lucky day. I got. I just got a. I got a. a, th- a, a you know, a, a four for the price of three deal. Right. So that's that's why horseshoes are lucky because I, if I you never find a horseshoe, the it's good. luck. Wheels you on the save side yourself of the road. Some money the next time you have to go to the blacksmith.
1: I only see but. rubber boots, like a rubber boot <laughs> on the side of the road. But never. Just one, just yeah. one rubber boot,
0: and it's you don't go. A,
2: do you go, oh, it's my, my lucky day. <laughs> I'm going to hang that above my door.
1: That's only the left boot. That's the problem. <laughs> I mean, how many hey, left boots do I need? Um, yeah. You need the right to boot? Yeah.
0: Oh,
2: that's right. yeah, yeah. yeah. Need the right to boot. So, yeah, I learned a lot about horseshoes when I worked at Fort Steel. And I, I never, I've never actually put a horseshoe on a horse. But I worked with – the guy who who did shoe the draft horses at Fort Steele, and it was a very humbling experience, and my and my respect for for farriers that build their own shoes went through the roof, hmm. because I was at that time I was the kind of guy that I could I mean I still am I guess but I could make twenty fire pokers, um, um you know, dr- draw them out, taper them on the power hammer and make them all and when they were done you know they if i if they were supposed to be 30 inch pokers there'd be an eighth of an inch between all 30 of them and i i thought i was pretty good yeah so then then i uh, i get working with this farrier his name is dan higgs and he actually won the the eagle eye competition at the, the the calgary stampede so what happens with the eagle eye competition is they get they get a 10 second look at the hoof and then they have to go away and make a shoe. And whoever shoe fits the hoof the best is the winner. And they're not allowed to look at the shoe, the, the hoof, again. Right. Because this is a skill that can make you money as a farrier. Because the fewer times that you have to go back and check if the, the, the hoof fits the shoe, the faster you can make it because you can make it in more heats. and Less heats, I mean, right? Yeah. So he won this thing at the Calgary Stampede. So – he gets—he's uh, showing me how to make the shoes and everything, and I know—I know—I know how to bend a piece of flat bar around the horn on an anvil, right? Well, he made three horseshoes, trimmed the horse's hoof, and nailed three horseshoes on the hoof. By wow. the time I got my first horseshoe done, and and I was like at this time like a seven-year full-time blacksmith, incredible. Crazy. And I was just um, like, and, and I mean, it wasn't easy. I mean, it, we were, we were bending inch and a quarter by half around the horn of the anvil. So right. on, on edge, right? The hard one. Yeah. And he would hit those things two, three times and it would be bent and the metal would stop exactly where he wanted it to. So it would fit the hoof. Wow, and yeah. I'm going back and forth and back and forth and oh a little less, oh a little bit too much, oh a little little, little more, and finally I get it to. He's sitting there waiting for me to get the shoe done, <laughs> and he's already got the whole horse done, and so that was, you know, I, I'm I'm not a horseshoer, and uh, but I have a lot of respect for farriers that build their horseshoes. So,
1: well, I think it, it goes to say too when specializing in something and yeah becoming efficient, yeah. becoming. Proficient as well. Yeah. Like Yeah. And you know,
2: it's that whole uh, kind of Malcolm Gladwell ten thousand hour concept, right? Hey. Right. I was
1: YouTube. listening to that book this week. Oh really? Oh cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a it's, great book. It's interesting. Yeah, fantastic book. Yeah. Uh, which
2: book is that? I've read three or four of his and I can't remember the title of that book. Is it
1: the uh oh shoot. It's uh I'll it tell the, you right now. It is called. Is it called what the dog saw? Outliers. Outliers, right? Yeah, yeah. So outliers. Yeah, it's interesting yeah. read. Or I, I or listened listen, to it. Audiobook. Yeah, I listen to
2: it as well. Yeah. Now, now the one thing that's that's amazing about horseshoers is that they burn out really quickly. Like they, they get physically physically just beat up and tendonitis, and you know, like it's uh, it's a tough job. And uh, we, we had these Cl- Clydesdale horses at Fort Steele, and and uh, they would fall asleep while you were shoeing them. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> well, that's all right. It's kind of Well, you got the, the their hoof up, and then they would just slowly sag into you, right? <laughs> it's like a Clydesdale, <laughs> right? And you're like,
0: oh. Oh, Jesus.
2: take the rasp file and whack them to wake them back up and they just kind of slowly shift their weight <laughs> off of you you know <laughs> but That's the crazy. other horses the like the the saddle horses they can be quite dangerous like they they can kick you and right oh yeah p- pull the pull the hoof away when you got the before you have the nails pulled out and they can rip you open and Fight. yeah yeah, it's it's quite quite the job. Anyways, yeah, I yeah. I am not suited for it. I'm six foot one. Um, it was funny all the farriers at the Calgary Stampede; they're all like five foot four.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. crazy.
2: Because if you if you if you're five four, you don't have to lean over to when you're trying to nail that shoe <laughs> on the hoof, right? All the tall guys, their backs give out on them, so oh, they just shit. can't do it. Yeah, it's, I'm dead serious. Your back just kills after shoeing uh, horses, so.
0: Huh. Yeah. Interesting. So, what have you been working on in this uh, last little while? We,
2: uh, we have a railing that we're putting into a house in Windermere, and oh, yeah. it is the entire railing looks like a tree. Nice. So it's, oh. uh, a tree without branches. So it it kind of the the, the texture on the on the material kind of looks like a pine bark oh, uh, texture, kind of, and it's like a winding tree pine bark tree, and with but very um, masculine. It's not very light. It's a it's uh, quite. Um, quite big and chunky so the main chunk of the uh, trunk of the tree is made out of four inch pipe and it's tapered and so uh one of the things that we've developed over the years in my shop is pipe tapering techniques and Hmm. so many of my public art sculptures have pipe in it that's tapered so we've kind of gone through the pain of learning how to taper pipe on the power hammer and so this tree uh, is mostly tapered pipe. Uh, when it gets down to one inch, we use um, solid. But if it, yeah, so um, all the tree branches uh, kind of come, come off of each other and everything's uh, all, there, after everything's tapered, everything is, uh, all the branches are kind of welded together and then ground down and blended and, so that they all have the same texture and it looks like it was all one piece. Right. And there's uh, 65 feet of this railing. Wow, wow. cool! So that's what it, we're working on right now.
0: You get it painted
2: afterwards, or um, it's going to get a clear paint on it, um, and uh, it's just what's what's what I call it's kind of my signature natural steel finish. Um, so that's kind of cool. My kind of the thing that I do, yeah so cool. awesome. uh and then we are also working on a smaller railing that also has trees in it but this tree has uh like a pine bark uh, not pine bark birch bark it looks like a birch tree oh, neat. oh cool and uh it has all the little knots in it and all the little kind of you know the rings that go around a birch yep. tree um, and so it uh, the people their house is right next to a lake and so we're trying to recreate the transition between the water and the land. So the railing um, has a kind of a birch tree that kind of grows over top to form the handrail. And then there's willow branches growing into the birch tree. And then the willow branches transition to bulrushes. Sweet. Wow. And so it goes from yeah. birch tree to willow branches to, to bulrushes. And then we're doing a couple of little nice little touches in there. We're putting some uh, some dragonflies kind of on yes. some of the little branches. And we're putting a couple of little birds in there. And the other thing about this lake that they really love is there's a turtle nesting site there. Oh, and cool. So I'm, I'm making them a, a turtle that's going to go into the railing. Holy smokes. That's so, a piece, dude. Yeah. So that's uh, that piece has been pretty fun. We've just about got it done. Um Anyways, I feel kind of bad. These people have been waiting for like two years for me to get this railing done for them. Um, so, but you know, when you're busy, you're busy. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. That's... So that's kind of uh, um, yeah. I'm hoping that uh, the next week or two we'll have some of those pictures of the 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 lake railing up mm-hmm. on the on the on the Gram, so people can check that out.
1: Cool, man. Nice. H- yeah. How do you go about designing? pieces like that or is it the customer that comes in requesting items specific
2: um the way that we mostly designed that one um was i said to the customer they said we want something really artistic right okay so i come in and you know i'm looking at the decor in the house i'm looking at where the the house is situated you know it's a lakefront house and I just said, so what do you, what do you guys like? Um, you know, mm. like you, you, you say you want something artistic. Like, do you want um, kind of modern artistic, or do you want minimalist, or do you want, you know, like a kind of a still life scene or whatever? And I said, what what are things that you that you like? And they said, well, we really like the landscape around our house. Can you do something that kind of matches the landscape? And awesome. so I just have a conversation with them and, and just kind of, uh, it's a bit of a back and forth. And, and so then I just did a little sketch for them and said, well, what about something like this? You know, we've got the lake and the, and I can't really do water. Um, you know, I've, I've never really forged a water railing before. That one kind of, <laughs> I don't know how you do that. Anyways, um, so I said, what if we kind of, you know, I was looking out at the lake and and they had that kind of you know, landscape along the lake where it was mm-hmm. the water and then the bulrushes and then the willows and then the birch trees. And I said, What if we tried to do that? And they was like, Can you do that? And I'm like, Yeah, sure, we can do that. And they're like, Wow, that'd be amazing, right? So yeah, so that's kind of how that one came to be, which is which is um Something that I really, really enjoy doing is working with clients and kind of, kind of asking them questions to kind of find out what their passions are mm-hmm. and what things that they love and what they want it to kind of represent, and so that I try to bring the meaning of and the things that are important to them into the ironwork, yeah. um, and that that's quite a bit different then the Windermere House, which is also a tree railing, um, because they have an architect. And the architect pretty much designed the entire railing. Um, And I didn't really have a lot of input into the design. And then they just gave me the drawings for the railing, and I just made it, right? That's all right,
0: sure. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's just a
2: different different process right yeah,
0: yeah.
2: Um, so i and i enjoy the one where more where i'm working with the client you know mm-hmm. and then it, it feels more like it belongs to them like it's kind of like my gift to them for for what you know they wanted to see for, for sure. sure
0: yep yeah. so with the one that uh with the bulrushes are um is it going out in pieces and being installed on site or do you bring that out as one giant piece
2: Um, it's kind of like a stairwell that goes down, turns 90 degrees and turns again. Okay. Um, and so there, there's a stair opening. So there's going to be like a five foot railing on either side of the stair opening. And then you go down the stairs and then it turns 90 degrees. And then there's another five foot section of railing on the bottom section. So the two ones at the top are what I call, um, 90 degree railings, so they're they're not on an angle. So the tricky part is that I've got to make a continuous tree branch handrail that goes from the 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 90 degree railings down on the angle, turn around the corner, transition into the five foot railing that's it, that's on the bottom of the stairs in an angle, um, and that's going to be tricky because I'll have to weld that together on site Concrete in the house. Right. Yeah, so we do. We have a TIG, uh, a little Miller lunchbox. Have you guys seen the the, the lunchbox TIG? Yep, I have so, heard of them. Yeah, yeah. So we have a little install uh, TIG welder there. That uh, I am not a great TIG welder. Um, a couple of my guys um, are really, really good TIG welders, a- and uh, they can weld inside a house, TIG welding overhead, and not drop a single gob of molten metal on the floor which nice. is amazing i don't know how they do it but <laughs> anyways i am much better with a hammer than i am with a tick rod <laughs> so yeah so that's um and so then we will um, make an inch and a half pipe and we'll make it all have that birch bark texture and then it, it's going to look like it's growing around the corner that 90 degree corner Super. And, and it's going to oh, grow man. around the corner and come back into the angle railing on the bottom section of the stairs. Very cool. No doubt. Yeah, it's, it's fun. Yeah, it's fun. We don't get we don't get railings like that very often, where it's really artistic and you know really forge intensive. So mm-hmm. we got to enjoy them when they happen. So,
0: is there a few guys working in your shop with you,
2: or? um right now I have three guys in the shop and then my assistant in the office so I guess I have four employees um hmm. yeah so um that was kind of one of the things that that I started talking to you about at the beginning of the week was kind of my main guy was leaving um and so I would phoned you and said hey, do you know any blacksmiths? <laughs> mm-hmm. so, so
1: has that person
2: yeah. been replaced already or? Uh, no. no. So I'm taking resumes. Uh, um,
1: yeah, pitch it out there. You're, yeah. You've got hundreds of listeners <laughs> oh, right I'm, looking now. <laughs> for,
2: I'm looking for a blacksmith right now. And uh, um, I'm open to uh, whatever is uh, available. Um I, you know, the guy who's leaving is a Red Seal fabricator who is also a good blacksmith. Um, So the job is not just blacksmithing. Um, There's also welding and fabrication. Um, So a lot of what he did was um, I and a couple other guys that are more blacksmithy would fabricate forged parts (laughs) and then he would put them together um, with, with welding, whatever welding techniques we're doing so um so yeah i'm looking for somebody um i'm willing to train somebody if it's the right guy um i'm willing to give somebody an apprenticeship if they're if they're interested in apprenticeship i've apprenticed probably 15 blacksmiths over over my career and um uh you know i'm i'm just like everybody else in the world i'm not perfect so um you know it's uh I'm an interesting guy to work for because, uh, i like to have a lot of fun. I'm very creative. Um, but I'm a little bit of a scatterbrain. I'm kind of all over the place. So some people can't deal with that. (laughs) It drives them
0: nuts.
2: (laughs) Um, so you have to be willing to be with somebody who's really, really creative and a little bit unorganized. I, I guess think it, uh, the two kind of yeah, tend to come together. Yeah, yeah. So um, I have my assistant. Um, her name is Andy, and she works in the office with me. She's been with me for 10 years. And she I call her my designated smart person. So... Um,
1: <laughs> yeah so we all need one of those in our and lives it really
2: keeps me from forgetting things and from being unorganized and uh you know you gotta hire to your weaknesses right yeah um so this i recognized in myself that uh with my creativity comes or an organization uh, so i had to hire somebody that kept, keeps me organized so nice. yeah, yeah so that's uh um but i like to have a lot of fun when i work You know, I I will admit it. Really warmed up here in BC today, so uh, we got some really wet snow. So there was Mm. a through a few uh, snowballs that were thrown in Mm -hmm. by me at my employees today. So that's another hazard to to working for me. You may get snowballs thrown at you. Nice. Um, So and
1: and you're in Cranbrook. Yes, which is. I'm pretty close to Fernie, right? Yeah,
0: it is, yeah. It's so, close to Fernie, it's close to Kimberly, yes, it's close it to it's a, panorama, a, bunch of hot, a bunch of hot springs. Hot springs, panorama. Back. Lakes. Lake Louise. Yeah.
1: Why are we in Manitoba? Oh dude, my okay, you know, what, can, oh, can I,
0: t- you guys? I need to take a break. I, uh, I just, I'm about to start bawling my eyes out here because oh. I can't take this job, dude. Seriously, like, <laughs> damn, yeah. Paul, man, I want, I want to come work for you, <laughs> you so bad. Man. So,
2: how cold was it in Winnipeg today?
0: Yeah, shit, minus, minus
1: seventeen. So I ni- saw minus nineteen.
0: Minus it 19. was plus three today, Cranbrook. Oh wow, yeah, but Well, it's me, coming our way. Yeah, it's coming your way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's supposed to be plus one on Sunday. Wow. Oh wow. Yeah. And it was minus forty a couple days ago, so yeah. that was yeah. deadly. Yeah, that's yeah. the beauty of Winnipeg. Minus forty in the wintertime, plus forty in the summertime. <laughs> and and you guys get the humidity over there too. Oh yeah. It yeah. sucks.
2: I could never I remember when I went back to visit my relatives in Manitoba when I was a kid, I couldn't figure out why it never cooled down at night.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, sticky lying yeah, in bed. It's it's sticky, your sheets like, feel wet.
2: Why is it still hot? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't understand. <laughs> I'm sweating in <laughs> bed. I'm cold. laying in bed and I'm sweating. I've never I've never experienced this before. <sighs> of course, yeah, my grandma's house did
0: not have air conditioning.
1: Right? <laughs> so, okay,
0: so here's a question for you. One yes. of the one of the sellers for my wife. She won't move to b c because there's no good places to go swimming what
2: <laughs> okay. huh? That's That's
0: our list list, listing, list some good lake good swimming lakes in b c uh okay
2: well love you oh, oh somebody just
0: popped the top I love you too man all right
2: <laughs> uh well in Cheers. Cranbrook there are probably within a forty minute drive probably fifteen lakes nice. And they all have great swimming. And on top of that, there is only one out of those 15 lakes that I've ever seen a leech in. Wow. As opposed to Manitoba wow. lakes, which pretty <laughs> much <laughs> all have
1: leeches in them. They do. <laughs> this, so, I, know, I, I know I've mentioned canoeing a, like in one of our first episodes. But this summer, I went to this lake called Shallow Lake. <laughs> That's a bad sign. <laughs> Wait, no, So it's the third during dr- dr- <laughs> dr- a drought. <laughs> it's, it's it's the third time we go to this lake, and this time we went and it was like July, so it was it was smoking hot, and we get to the lake and it's like knee deep, so we'd like walk into our like. <laughs> To shallow walk, lake, walk up through our ankles, and then <laughs> and all these shallow lake, yeah, yeah, and all these leeches would like start coming towards us. So we'd like go <laughs> ankle deep, splash a little bit, and then head back into the bush, into the shade. It was, it was disgusting. Oh, oh, just yeah. trying to cool off, right? Yeah,
2: now the other great thing about BC lakes is almost all of them don't have any mosquitoes. Um, yep, yep. So, you can go swimming, and you can lay there in the sun, and it's like no leeches in the water, no mosquitoes uh, on the shore. It's yeah, it's pretty good. Life yeah. is good. So, anyways,
0: mild, mild winters, mild nice, winters, su- nice summers. Nice <laughs> Can you guys grow fruit in Cranbrook? What's, it's it's Um, kind of,
2: we, we are a little bit higher elevation. And so it's harder Mm. to grow fruit here, but just an hour away is Creston. That's the, the the Kootenai Lake Valley. That's where I grew up. And man, do they grow fruit there? Cherries, apricots, peaches, plums. Oh yeah. So we just, it's like, as soon as we find out that the cherries are ripe, we all just book it for Creston and Mm. come back with a big thing of cherries and they're almost all eaten by the time we get home so so good oh man as
0: if I just had to buy this house and everything I'd seriously be (laughs) I'd be there already oh Oh, damn oh man yeah so now there
2: is a subject that I wanted to uh, discuss with you guys today that I think would be of great interest to to blacksmiths in Canada it's a little bit scary. It's a scary subject. Okay. Um, and it is something that has changed my whole world. And hmm. uh, and it came right out of the blue. And um, I, I don't know. I'm not saying uh, that I know how people should deal with this. But the issue is the Canadian Welding Bureau. You guys ever heard of the Canadian Welding Bureau? Yeah, I'm part of it. So it's CWB. Yeah. Yeah. So what happened to me was um, I was bidding on a a mono stringer staircase and a cable-style railing for a house in Fernie. Okay. And so I bid on this thing, and – the homeowner said to the contractor, I want Paul Reimer to do it because I like the artistic um, style of finishing that he does. It doesn't look like it was done by a industrial fabrication shop. It looks designer. Cool. So I want Reimer to do it. So the the." Uh, the contractor was like, oh, okay, yeah, sure, yeah, okay, we'll get Ryman to do it. So um, we're, we're getting ready to start on this. And then the project manager phones me up from the contractor and says, uh, uh, I'm sorry, but uh, we actually already gave this job to a fab shop in Fernie. We uh-huh. already gave them the contract. Hmm. So then the homeowner is all mad because he doesn't want the fab shop to do it because he's not going to get the finish he wants. Yeah. It's my house. Cancel it. Yeah. So he cancels the, the job. Good. Then the f- owner of the fab, right, the fab shop
0: <clears throat>
2: phones up the Canadian Welding Bureau and says, I'd like to file a complaint. Oh. This guy, Rhymer. Is building staircases and railings, and he's not CWB certified. Mm.
1: Interesting. I
2: didn't even know what CWB certification was. Mm-hmm. I'd heard of it before. I knew that people who did structural welding had to have a CWB certification, but I'm a blacksmith, and I'm I. Forge things, and then I weld them together. I didn't think that that qualified me to have to be a CWB-certified shop. Right. So then I get a call from the Canadian Welding Bureau. And the guy's like, hello, I'm from the Canadian Welding Bureau, and you've been building railings without being CWB-certified. And I'm like, okay, what's, what's the problem? And he's like, well... A railing is considered structural. And I'm like, well, why is it, yeah. considered it? It's not holding anything up. It's there's, you know, the, it's not part of the integrity of the house. And they said anything that is attached to the house is considered structural. And anything that you make that has any kind of weld on it, that weld has to be engineered that weld has to be executed by a Canadian um, Welding Bureau certified welder, huh. and it has to be inspected by a Canadian Welding Bureau welding inspector. Oh, my God. And if it's welded and it's attached to the house, it has to be CWB certified.
0: Wow. Oh, it's a little bit... Further than I thought it went, but. Well, so
2: anyways, I'm like, okay, so what does it take to become CWB certified? And that's where the nightmare begins. Yeah. So the process is you're absolutely stuck in a. absolute steaming pile of bs of red tape that only the government could dream up Mm -hmm. and it is
1: brutal it's
2: expensive it's a nightmare
1: so are you stuck then having to hire someone that has those that certification then
2: well this is so this is the process Uh, It's a three-step process. So the first
1: thing that you have to
2: do in order to become a CWB-certified welding shop, you have to have a CWB-certified welding supervisor in your shop.
1: So Mm. I was like, well,
2: who's that? And they're like, it can be anybody. And I'm like, does he need to know how to weld? And they're like, no. And I'm like, well, what does he need to know? (laughs) He needs to know the code for the Canadian Welding Bureau.
1: Yep. Hmm. So Lyndon, with the certification or the courses that you took, was any like the CWB kind of involved with certifying oh, yeah. the course that you took or how did that work? Yeah.
0: Yeah. The course that I took through college was I only I took my first year apprenticeship through college. Okay, and from there on I just kind of I got a job and went into the industry but you have to get your tickets as a welder and depending where you're working, you have to get different tickets If you're doing okay. structural then there's specific tickets to structural if you're doing uh, pipe welding then there's specific tickets to that Pressure okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. welding yeah and right. most companies you're Tickets are specific to that company that you're working for versus if you're working if you do your own thing then you go and you write your tests on your own and they're your, your, they're your tickets then at that point so wow. like if I owned my own if I owned my own truck then and I would have to go write the tickets on my own and pay for it and it's not cheap dude it's an expensive test to take and you have to take it I think it's every two years you have to rewrite it oh. Yeah, so through my job hmm. I have to redo my welding test every 2 years and I think there's 8 different tickets that I have to carry.
2: Okay. So So what I found out is that uh so I, uh, just to back it up. I went and took my welding supervisor course. And it was like $3,000. Yep. Ouch. Yep. Ouch. And and uh the guy, who, the guy who taught the Welding Supervisor course, he used to be a, a welder who built nuclear reactors. Oh, cool. So he knows how to weld. Yeah. And his welds, like the, when he said when they worked on the nuclear reactors, they would weld all day. And then there was a team that came in at night and x-rayed all their welds. Yep, right. And then any weld that had any inclusions would have to get ground out and re-welded <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> right so anyways i get done this welding supervisor course and it was not an easy course it, it was tough like it like you it was tough and you had to get 75 percent to pass mm-hmm. um fortunately i did pass the one i got one there was two tests. One I got 89% on, and the other I got 75 exactly. <laughs> so I was pretty happy about that. Um, but now I have to I have to have on retainer a welding engineer. Wow. Yep. Yep. Wow, wow, wow. And the welding That's engineer not cheap. costs cost me 250 bucks a month. And and then I also now, every time I make a handrail or a railing, I have to get it engineered. Mm
0: -hmm. Or stamped by him. Stamped by an engineer.
2: And the engineer looks at my bulrush railing and goes, Huh? Like, (laughs) I don't know. I've never seen that before. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Right? Oh, my God. And so the engineer is just scratching his head every time he looks at my stuff. And, and now it's just expense upon expense upon expense and red tape. And then I, my shop has to get inspected and audited. My oh, welders yeah, have to get tested. And fortunately, my welders all passed. Their, um, they're all CWB certified for MIG and TIG in all positions.
0: Oh, nice. Yeah. Do you have to have a journeyman on, on your that, team? And that's
2: the thing that's very interesting about CWB is they don't care about whether you're a journeyman. Or a red seal or any of that. They just care, is this guy's weld strong enough to to be structurally sound? Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Can he he pass the test and get the ticket? Can he pass the test? If you pass the test, they give you
2: the ticket. Yep. Yep. Anybody, anybody in Canada can go to a CWB uh, welding inspector and take a welding test and become CWB certified. They just hmm. can't use that certification unless they're working in a CWB certified shop underneath a CWB welding supervisor connected to a CWB welding engineer. Yeah. So those are the three levels of, so like if, if a guy has a CWB um, ticket for all position in MIG, he can't go out and start business because he doesn't have a welding supervisor. He doesn't have a welding engineer. Mm-hmm. And shop isn't certified, mm-hmm. and so these are all the things that I never even knew existed. So, I I was like said to the guys, well, what do I do if I just keep going like I am and not get don't get CWB certified? They said to me, well. If you build a railing on somebody's deck, and they have a party up there, and 10 drunk guys start goofing around, and they're wrestling and goofing around because it's 2 o'clock in the morning, and they're all cut, and they crash into your railing, and you know you got 10, 200-pound drunk guys, and they break your railing off the deck, and somebody falls down and dies, your insurance company's not covering you. Wow. Because your railing was not CWB certified.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Crazy. You'd think that the insurance company should have a liability in making sure that you have these things taken care of before they issue yeah. insurance.
2: And, and mm-hmm. so, I said to them, "Well, who who enforces this?" I said, yeah. "I've been building railings for thirty years, staircases, railings, spiral staircases." Like all this
0: stuff for thirty years, and I never even knew the guy, this the guy on the phone's Like, oh my god, oh my god, right?
2: And I said, well, what the heck? I said, who's like? Why did nobody tell me about this? And he says, well, it's supposed to be enforced by the building inspectors. So a building inspector is supposed to ask, "Is this railing CWB certified?" Right. And I said, well, then guess what, dudes? No one. Your asks. Building inspectors. <laughs> don't know this or they're not asking because I've been doing this for 30 years and nobody's asked. Anyways, they said to me, you're on our radar now. Nice. So I was like, all right. So I had to fall in line and it was, it's been awful. So the, the analogy that I want to use is like the CWB welding code is meant for structural railings. And like, not railings, structural welding. Like, the structural. Like yep. like I said, bridges or, you know, whatever, right? Yep. And so applying the full force of the CWB Welding Bureau to a blacksmith shop is kind of like using a nuclear bomb to kill a mouse. Hmm. It's yeah. just mm-hmm. way overkill. Like, it, it's just... Yeah,
1: where you're making... Railings for homes and and public, where C W B might be more intended for big buildings and commercial. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm, Interesting. Yeah.
2: So. So, anyways that that was my uh, that was my big learning experience this last year. Did that? Oh,
1: this was over the last year.
2: Yeah. 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 the, the and- super
0: the supervisor thing is kind of uh, a red flag to me because that's not something I knew about and it's definitely something that I'm gonna have to get taken care of because those courses are going up in price like yearly they keep I keep seeing the price yeah. go up and up and up and there's also something I was gonna mention the supervisor course comes in different formats you can get your aluminum you can get um, your stainless yeah. Oh. Different. There's, yeah, different sanctions for yeah. supervisors. So, so
2: I'm just a regular steel guy. Yeah, I'm. I'm not fancy like that. So, <laughs> so
0: boy.
2: Oh boy. Yeah. So, anyways, so, that was the that was my that was my uh, big experience. Are you still now,
0: dealing with them on a regular basis? Yeah, yeah,
2: I have to. I have to contact them all the time. Um, okay.
0: Can but, I suggest? If, yeah there's a gentleman that we deal with on a regular basis lately by the name of Max Saron. He's recently become the director for the CWB and Re- he's in Regina. He is a super top-notch dude and his like one of his whole like mottos is like I'm in here to make things right. I want hmm. I want Interesting. I want to shake things up a little bit and I want I want to see changes. I want mm-hmm. to make things proper. So maybe being uh, in contact with him a little bit.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I've just been kind of just flailing and almost drowning in all of the regulations and the red tape and the, the, you know, this. And the thing that's really, that was really confusing to me is I had to retain a welding engineer, right? So I get this welding engineer and then I go to make a railing and I send him the drawings to the railing and he goes, why are you sending me these? I'm like, well, because they have to be engineered. And he goes, Well, I don't do that. And I said, Well, aren't you an engineer? And he goes, Yeah. And I said, Well, why well then why do I have you if you're you like I like I have to have you on retainer. So why why are you on retainer? He says, Oh, I'm just the welding engineer for your welds. Oh shoot. I'm not a structural engineer. <laughs> God. And I'm like, You're kidding me. So I'm paying you money to just make sure my welds are the correct welds and he says yes that's it and i said then Uh-oh. then i got to go get another engineer he said, like, "Yeah, you got to get another engineer." <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> "Oh my god. Are you man. kidding me? I I like I need now I need two engineers? <laughs> like holy shit." So he's like, uh, "Yes, you need two engineers. You need a structural engineer to sign off on the on the structural design of the of the railing, and then you need me to sign off on the welds to make sure that the welds are the right size and the right depth and the right, you know, that they're done properly. and
0: stuff." Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: And I was it like, oh, my gosh. I so just about do, you lost don't have my to keep,
0: crap. You don't have to keep the structural engineer on retainer, no, though, do you? No,
2: right. No. Yeah. That's value, on. It, yeah. I, yeah, I just get the structural engineer as I need him. Yeah. And the structural and I, engi- engineer is totally annoyed because he's like, this is stupid. Why am I engineering your stupid railing? Like, this is this is a joke. Anybody in the world can look at that railing and know that that railing structurally sound. Yeah, like, no you mean. don't need an engineer to do that. Right, so he's like, "Why am I engineering this?" And I'm like, "I have to." And he's like, "Well, why?" He says, "Well, it's the Canadian welding code." He's like, "Okay, fine," you know. Like <laughs> he's like, "But this is dumb," and you know, here you go, give me a thousand bucks. Here, I engineered oh, your rail. Jesus, yeah, you know. Sure. It's <laughs> so, well,
0: anyways. you know what. Uh, It's been a bit of a... We've been through this for almost an hour already and we haven't even mentioned our sponsor at this point here. So maybe it's about time that we talk about Maritime Knife Supply a little bit because they hook us up great and we want to give them some love. They have an awesome deal going on where you can save yourself $100 off of a kiln. They carry Paragon and even heat kilns. Use the code
1: FSCKILN. And save yourself a hundred bucks at maritime That's right. And you know who I believe used that code this week, Lyndon? Who? Our good friend, Mr. Pickle Cutters, Ooh. Nick Tobin. He right. ordered ah. himself a kiln and uh, he was. Pretty, he was mighty excited. Mighty excited. He wasn't excited about getting the actual kiln. He was excited about saving a hundred bucks. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I'm yeah. surprised he didn't message me about that. Oh yeah, right. What a hoser. Yeah. Actually, just to keep it going on, on Maritime Night Supply, they got new uh, the black black no Dragon's Breath Forge file or hardness checkers. Okay. They're supposed to be the top-notch hardness testers for knives. And it's he's the got file. Them now. Is it the files or the chisels? It's like a chisel. Okay. Yeah. And each one is is uh, marked with like 58 Rockwell, 60 Rockwell, 62, 64. So you can get like an even set, or you can get like 58, 59, 60, but uh, okay. th- up in price, but... Uh, Man, <laughs> Lauren, Lauren's got to stop putting stuff on his website because, man, every time he posts something, I'm like, I want that, and I want that too now. So, Yeah, so he's got
0: the diamond files going okay. on. Yeah. I wouldn't mind getting a set of diamond files. That'd be all right to have. Nice. Yeah, nice okay. ones. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Good for him, man. He's doing real good.
1: Excited for him. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. He said he's... Uh, He's working full-time on his business, Maritime Knife Supply, and then f- pretty much full-time working, making knives as well. So he's Jeez. a busy man. Crazy. And he's got a, a young kid as well, I think. so. Family going busy, on. Busy, Crazy, yeah, busy. Yeah, for sure. Busy. So let's bring it back. Yeah. And let's bring, let's go f- way back. Way back. Paul, way back. 15, 15 years back. old. Way back. Apprentice of John yeah. Smith. Yeah, and pre bald spot, pre bald spot.
0: <laughs> Were well, you? You might have had a bald spot, but it wasn't on the top of your head, eh? Yeah, I was
2: pretty. I was pretty. I was. I was uh, well quaffed when I was
0: uh, working at 15 years old. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty crazy. Starting at 15 years old, man. That's young. Yeah,
2: yeah it was. Um, you know, I I started out working for john smith because he was my next door neighbor that was that was why um and so i went down there and asked him for a summer job and uh, i grew up on a farm so uh, being neighbors um and the fact that he knew my dad he knew that i knew how to work because my dad was like well he still is my dad's like 70 and he still can work me under the table
0: Well, you're a Mennonite, man. It's in Uh, your blood. Yeah, it's just work, 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 (laughs) work, work.
2: work. That's all they do. So anyways, uh, he knew I could work. Um, So he's like, yeah, you can give me a job. And then like kind of the first summer that I worked there, I pretty much just did everything that nobody else wanted to do. Um, So that was, yeah, I did all the crappy stuff, like sweeping the floor and cutting steel. And I almost cut my fingers off the first Three days in, I almost... Oh, oh man. <laughs> man. Yeah, that was bad. I had to go to the hospital.
1: How, how did that happen?
2: Um, John had this squirrel cage fan set up. It was in it was like in June, and it was really hot. And, and my job was we were bending these pieces of steel around a jig, and my job was to put the vice grips on the piece of steel so that he could bend it around the jig. Mm-hmm. And then I would because it was right in kind of my waist area, my pants and my were getting really hot from the steel. So then he had this squirrel cage fan to kind of blow air on us to cool us off. And uh, in between heats, I walked over to the squirrel cage fan and put out my hand to blow (sighs) the air down onto my pants. And there was no guard or grate on the front of it. And I put my hand a little too far out and... I still remember the sound. That sound never leaves you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I, I know what you mean about that, man.
2: Yeah, and so anyways, yeah, 15 years old and off to the doctor. Three days in, my very first three days in the blacksmith shop, and I almost cut my fingers off. So, yeah, I still got the scars today. So, Did he walk anyway. up to you and, and smack you? Or No, he didn't or- smack me, but he was very – well like the funniest thing was was that as soon as i did it i started jumping up and down and then i had the one of the most profound thoughts i've ever had in my life which is how is jumping up and down going to help my hand? <laughs>
0: <laughs> remember it clears day. I
2: remember just like, this is a dumb thing to do. <laughs> jumping <laughs> up and down. Like what the? Why like, is that though? Because
1: I've done that before too. Smack my thumb and jump up and down. Yeah.
2: Like I'm it's, not, I don't know. Maybe there's some, I don't know. Maybe there's some medicinal uh, purpose to jumping up and down when you hurt yourself. That's exactly. so that. And I was of, uh, uh, th- yeah adrenaline or whatever. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh, so then maybe, I went in the maybe. bathroom and I was running cold water over my hands to kind of slow down the bleeding. And I was really embarrassed, uh, so I didn't say anything. Yeah, fifteen years old, yeah, I'm still yeah. fifteen years old, three days on the job, right? <laughs> what and do so I do? What, do, what I do I do? Right. So and then John came and found me because he wondered where I went. And then he's like, what are you doing in there? And I'm like, well, I cut my hand. And he's like, can I come in? And like, yeah. So then he looks at my hand and goes, holy, you're going to the doctor right now.
1: <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs>
2: and I was Man. like, "Uh." You know, so then I felt bad because he missed like a whole afternoon of work because he had to take me to the doctor and, you know, blah,
1: blah, blah. So did you keep working for him after well, that? Well, I
2: missed two weeks of work after that because <laughs> my <laughs> hand was all mangled. Uh, and then it, he, he had me back. <laughs> and then my first day back, oh, I forgot about this. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> he was moving into his new shop. Uh, And it was Power Hammer moving day. Oh, God. Right? (laughs) Which is is a very exciting day, right? And I had these kind of like beach shoes. And for some reason, I wore them that day. (laughs) So I show up first day back after almost cutting my fingers off. And I'm wearing beach shoes for power hammer moving day. Right. He, he looks at my feet and he's like, Do you have any work boots? <laughs> and I'm like,
1: Do I have yeah? to speak to your father? <laughs> he's like,
2: go home and get your work boots, because we're moving power hammers today. Like they like just like you for oh sure. man, I don't anyways. Yeah, it was a rough start. <laughs> <laughs> Rough start to my blacksmithing career. Okay. <laughs> yeah. anyways, after that I, I kind of worked there uh, all summer and uh, it was it was that summer that I learned something about life that uh, it was is something that at, right like right now I'm trying to teach my kids this. And that is that nobody is born with the ability to do well a job that they can't stand. Mm. hmm And so I did all the crappy work in that blacksmith shop for the whole summer. Yeah, yeah. And it was – I hated it actually. Like I was – I would wire brush stuff for hours. I, you know, like I would sand things for hours. And it was mind-numbing, boring. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and you know, as humans, we're not born with that skill to be able to knuckle down and say, "I hate this; it's boring," but I'm going to do this really well, and mm-hmm. I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I I had to learn that that summer. I remember, I, I one of my jobs was to wire brush and sand fireplace shovels, the blades. Mm-hmm. The, the scoopy part of the shop yeah. and the other guys who were skilled made the shovels <laughs> and then pass them off Toss to me to to, you. <laughs> to be wire brushed and Thanks. sanded. Yeah. Yeah. And I would, I would do hundreds of them in a day and it wow. was just like, uh, I hated them. Right. And, uh, and how do you have a good attitude and do something really well when you really don't want to do it? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so that was that was a good skill that I learned from fireplace shovels.
1: So what then kept you going to pursue the what trade kept me going thing? was
2: what I was seeing around me. Oh, so I was watching these people forge things. Well, you know, out of the corner of my eye, well I'm doing the oh man, my 87th shovel of the day, right?
1: And I'm like, that probably man. made things worse for you, watching these guys. <laughs> yeah. like yeah. doing yeah. a job that you want to do, and you're stuck at the wire wheel.
2: Yeah, so anyways, <laughs> I'm over my shoulder, I'm watching them forge stuff, and I'm watching them on the power hammer, and I'm watching all these things take shape. And then on my coffee break and after work and at my lunchtime, I would jump into the forge and try to make stuff. And, nice. and, and, you know, do the typical, like just terrible, you know, awful job of, you know, and, uh, and, you know, John had this absolutely gorgeous 300 pounds Swedish anvil. Right. Uh, and it was, it's, it's still even today, that is a beautiful anvil. Um, that was, you know, 30 years ago. Um. And his rule was, you don't use that anvil. That is my anvil. Nobody touches that
0: anvil. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so there was a couple of old beat-up, sway-back Peter Wrights there. Those are the ones I was allowed to use. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that got me hooked. Once I started doing that, it just was like, wow, I love this. This is, this is great. Nice. And so I was constantly asking him if I could do stuff, and then he slowly started letting me forge things, kind of because I worked for him through the, the winter after school, and then through the next summer. But he wouldn't let me use a power hammer. Hmm. He says you're not using the power hammer. You're you're going to learn a hammer. In, I've in seen that.
1: what you did with a fan.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no power hammers for you. So, and I'm really grateful for that, you know. Um, and that is something that I have. Um, carried on with my apprentices. I'm not as strict as John was, um, but I, I have said to guys, you know, you need to learn how to taper that by hand before you use a power hammer. Mm-hmm. You know, so, yeah. So anyways, those were, uh, uh, those were the days of, of, uh, you know, just learning. Um, and I did that all the way through high school. Mm-hmm. And I had this really, Fascinating um, uh, opportunity in my life when I graduated from high school. There was this guy that um, was really good friends with my dad, and we were we were not well off. We were you know very poor. You know, growing up farming, just you know trying to get by, and um, not a lot of money. And this guy was really good friends with my dad, and he said to my my dad, he said, uh, if Paul wants to, he can move out to Victoria with us, and uh, he can go to UVic, and he can live with us, and I'll pay for his university.
0: Holy oh, crap. Wow. wow.
2: Yeah. And you know what I did? I turned him down. Really? Because yeah. I, lo- I love blacksmithing so much. Wow
0: crazy and dude. I look
2: back you know at my life and I think man that would have been a completely different
0: totally different path yeah
2: I would have been a completely different person yeah if I had gone to university at Uvic and uh, I you know I, I had thought about it and I probably would have I was gonna either be a pe teacher or a, or a history teacher that was gonna be what I was gonna high school teacher that was what <laughs> I was thinking I would be yeah so who knows where I'd be today if if crazy. I had – yeah, but I, I stuck with the blacksmithing right out of high school. Yeah, so
0: so did did so did John end up hooking you up with one of your uh, one of his anvils? Is your first anvil, or where did you end up getting your first anvil from?
2: Um, I I left Kootenay Forge in uh, nineteen ninety four and moved to Cranbrook and I became the the village smithy at Fort Steele. Mm, okay, and I acquired a few different Peter Wrights, but they were never my anvils. I acquired them for the museum. I was help, I was I was kind of the head of the blacksmith program and so so they weren't my my first anvils. Um so what happened was in two thousand one they did a government restructuring and they and they laid off everyone at Fort Steele and and restructured the whole program there. And I got laid off and Um, they brought back two of my apprentices because they could pay them half the money that they were paying me Mm. because I was a manager, you know, it's classic government restructuring. Well, what we'll do is we'll fire all the managers. How do we make (laughs) more money? And we'll make, we'll save all the money because we won't have any managers. Right. (laughs) So
1: um, (laughs) so it's not working anymore. Yeah.
2: (laughs) So then when I started my own uh, blacksmith shop, I, uh, I, I needed an anvil for my blacksmith shop. And uh, this is a great uh, memory for me because I I found, I put an ad in the newspaper. Do you remember that? When we used to put ads in the newspaper? (laughs) Oh, yeah. And this lady phoned me up and she said, I've got an anvil in my garage. And she was in Sparwood, which is about two hours away from Cranbrook. And so I needed to go pick it up. Well, just at that time, uh Pete and Shauna, Pete Hill and Shauna Johnson from Rathobyre's Forge in Scotland had come to visit me. And so I said to them, "Hey, do you guys want to come and get an anvil with me?" And they were like, Sure. And I said, you can you can go to Sparwood. You guys ever been to Sparwood? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I've been to Sparwood. It's got,
2: it's got the world's largest
0: truck. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, so cool.
2: So anyways, we had this little Volkswagen uh, Jetta. Uh, and so we drove to Sparwood. And uh, so it's me, my wife, and Pete and Shauna. And their little boy was just baby at the time. And, you know, a, a jet is pretty loaded down with that, right? Yeah. So so we get to this lady's house. Well, anyways, the anvil weighs 315 pounds. Oh, wow. <laughs> I didn't know it was a 315-pound anvil. So Jeez. then we had to put it in the trunk
0: oh, of the wow. jet. <laughs> was, that, was that a hatchback or was it a, like a forward? <laughs> it was
2: a trunk. It was oh, not no. a hatchback.
0: So Jeez. anyways,
2: fortunately, Pete was there. So, anyways, Pete and I wrestled this huge (laughs) anvil into the trunk of the car. And then we're driving back to Cranbrook. The the whole thing is like dragging (laughs) dragging on the highway. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Anyways, I don't think the car was ever quite the same again after that. (laughs) So, yeah. So, that was my very first anvil was a 300-pound Peter Wright. Wow, that's
0: a sweet first
2: anvil. Yeah, and it was used in the Michelle Rattel mine. Uh, so it was a mine anvil. Oh, that's cool. And it was a real sway back. Like, it had, like if you'd put a a level uh, across the top of it, there was probably in the middle of it on the one edge, it was probably a good half inch down.
0: Wow. Yeah. yeah. And that's so, like that one
2: I got rid of. Yeah. Mm. So So then I i rebuilt it i used uh some studi hard surfacing rod oh yeah and that's when i found out that studi hard surfacing rod doesn't grind that uh, you hit it with a grinder and no sparks come off of it (laughs) it's like wow look at that it's
0: that hard eh it's hard it's really really hard
2: yeah so anyways uh I got it fixed up, and that it's still in my shop today. It's in beautiful condition now. Yeah, nice. So that was my first anvil, and uh, it's it's uh, it, it's uh, it got great memories on that anvil. Yeah, absolutely great memories. Sweet so, man. Sweet. So, probably the coolest anvil I ever bought. Um, I think you said you wanted to be a. Do a segment about this, Lando. Um
0: oh oh is that right? Yeah. The, you do, want, you, do you wanna know? <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Tell me tell me about your tool. I mean tell, tell me about your tools. Oh
2: yeah, you wanna you wanna hear about my tool?
1: <laughs> your, your, your tools. Tell me about your tools. Uh, okay. Okay. I was All the right. First yeah. one that really teases it. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> he knows what's up.
2: <laughs> well, Lando, if you want to hear about my tool, <laughs> one time I had the opportunity at an auction to buy an anvil tree.
0: Oh, an anvil tree. Like a bunch anvil. of anvils stacked, welded and together? welded together. Oh no, no. <laughs> no,
2: So it was the bottom anvil was 570 pounds Oh, oh my god. god And it went up from there And the anvil on the top was 70 pounds
0: Oh my god there
2: was, there was six anvils in it And it was over six feet high And <laughs> Did you get it? Well it was funny Because I had to go to I couldn't be at the auction Okay. And so I had to drive. I had to. I had to go to a job in Fernie that day. And so I had to buy it. Um, I was like, you know, you know bids, yeah, yeah. Do you guys like ever see on the movies where there's like, a, you know, like there's like at a like a Picasso auction and there's like phone bids coming yeah. in. You know, like the the heavy hitters are on the phone. Right? I've seen
1: that. Yeah.
2: In real so that life, was, yeah. That was me. I was the heavy hitter on Whoa. the phone. Boom. <laughs> boom. Boom. Ooh. And, uh, yeah, boom. <laughs> did you get it? <laughs> yeah, I got it, but I paid 4200 bucks for it. Holy uh, shit. I'd say, like, so, considering
0: today's market, that's
2: a deal. Yeah. Yeah. So what I did was I, I sold three of them, and it – and it kind of got me to about three quarters of the way. Wow, there to cover yeah. it. So I kept the five hundred pounder at the bo- that was at the bottom, <sighs> and I kept uh, there was a one twenty five. It's actually the one twenty five is the oldest anvil that I have. Um, it's the only anvil that I've ever seen that has the 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 whole body of the anvil is all forge welded together. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. So not just the top plate. Yeah. yeah. But the little legs on the bottom and the horn and yeah. everything is all like kind of like all the parts the uh, some like it's all the all the parts were forged mm-hmm. and then they forge welded the parts together.
0: Right. So right. Is that it an Ajax? No, it's it
2: there's no markings on it at all except for the stone weight markings.
0: Oh, interesting. So okay. it's
2: it's marked one zero six. Which I, had, which I, I had an Ajax
0: back in the day that was all full body welded together, forge yeah. welded. Yeah, like mm-hmm. all, the, all the feet were separate. The horn was yeah. separate. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But, yeah. I think the body was welded in the middle as well, forge welded yeah. in the middle. Cool. Yeah.
2: So this one is one hundred and eighteen pounds, and it's a really nice little anvil. Yeah, yeah, really. But it's uh, yeah, it's forge welded like you're saying
0: there. Oh. So. That's yeah. a cool and piece. Then man. I,
2: and then I have then this I kept the seventy pound anvil just because it was so cute and I and so basically I'm telling you my tool was cute. So um, I, I couldn't, I couldn't part with it.
1: Look how cute it is! Oh, no, so it looks, it looks like looks it's like, smiling. I uh, <laughs> just
0: cradle it in my arms, little yeah. seventy-pound anvil. Yeah,
2: just little ooh, little ooh, snuggle. Ooh. It's Uh-oh. just
0: like a baby yeah, rocking just, to sleep. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and that anvil, we actually have it on on the bench, and we actually all commonly have it on the welding table. Because if we're welding things together and it's not straight, we'll just just turn over to the little anvil that's on the welding table and just straighten it on that anvil. Hmm. So that anvil gets used a lot, actually, the little 70-pound anvil.
1: Nice.
2: So, And when my son comes to the shop, I let him use it too. Yeah. But I also have another anvil that is my anvil and no one's allowed to use it. And it is a 640 pound. Oh my God. Uh, ger- German pattern double horn with an mm. upsetting block and a shelf. And oh. it was made by uh, Rado. Do you guys know who Rado is?
1: Oh, yes. I'm- Yes, <laughs>
0: yes, oh yes, that's it. Tell me more. Oh, tell
1: me more.
2: <laughs> so, anyway, so Rado was gonna. St- he's a guy in Vancouver, and he was gonna start his own anvil company a few years ago. And he he cast these out of. Uh, I think it was forty-one forty, is what he cast them out of. Oh my God! And he had that two so one odd. size. Oh. One size was three hundred. Uh, it was 150 kg and then this one's 300 kg oh wow yeah. man yeah. and it's 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 a brand new anvil and nobody else is allowed to touch it except me nobody uses it I can and, understand and, and, that. and to be fully honest with you i actually don't use it that often because <laughs> it's so beautiful <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i don't even use it myself very often because it's just so nice to look at i really love anvils i i it's, oh, a, it's dude, a, for sure it's a problem.
0: Um, yeah, I picked up a two hundred and thirty-five pound uh, double horn Brooks from Ooh. Yako. I got it shipped here from Ontario from our buddy yeah. Yako, and it is in very nice condition. It was rebuilt. I can tell yeah. that you can see some of the welds within the face or whatever where it was yeah. filled in. Which, yeah. whatever, it is what it is. But it's a, it's because of that. It's in, it's in practically mint condition. Yeah. And just like you said, man, it's like no one else is allowed to use it, but yeah, that that kind of includes me as well. <laughs> and yeah. it's not even on a stand at this point. I've got it off to the side with a couple other anvils that yeah. I'm not
2: using. Yeah. Anvil hoarding is a is an addiction, you know. Um oh, so, so anyways, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna create some folklore right now. Okay. In order to buy my six hundred pound double horn. I had to sell another 400-pound Peter Wright that I had in order to finance my other anvil, Mm -hmm. which was very hard to do. It was sad. It was a sad day. For sure, yeah. Um, But, you know, sometimes you got to make choices in life, right? So I got a call from this guy in Grand Forks. And he's oh, like, he's close. He's like, he's like, do you want to see your Kijiji ad for this four hundred pound Peter Wright? And I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, I'm actually looking for a five hundred pound Peter Wright. And I was like, okay, well, yeah, this one's only four hundred. He says, oh yeah, okay, well, he says, I already got a four hundred. And I'm like, what do you mean? He says, yeah, I, I'm a collector. I'm like, well, what do you mean? He says, oh well. Yeah, I collect Peter Wright's. And I said, Well, are you a blacksmith? He says, Oh, no, 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 I'm not a blacksmith. I, I work at the sawmill in, 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 in Grand Forks. Wow. I said, Well, how many anvils do you have? He says, He says, Actually, I don't even know. I've kind of lost count.
1: Oh, my God. We're what, two hours away from
0: Grand Forks, Lyndon? No, he's talking about Grand Forks, British Columbia, dude. Oh,
1: shit. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to like jump in the car and drive south, just blow through the border and go to the sawmill. And- <laughs> so, anyways,
2: you guys, I want to tell you this. There is – I don't, this guy is retired. I don't know how old he is now. But he has the Canadian honey hole of anvils. Shit. He sent me a picture of his anvil hoard. It takes up about, he's got a 20 by 20 garage. It takes up about a quarter of the garage. And it is Peter Wright after Peter Wright stacked upon each other four feet high. Wow. Oh, my God. And it's like an eight by eight space. And he's trying to get the crowned achievement of his Peter Wright collection to be this 500-pound Peter Wright. That's what he wants it to be. Man. Hmm. And I was just like, uh, in one way, I was in awe. And another way, I was insanely jealous. And another way, I was kind of ticked. Because I know all these young blacksmiths out there that are trying to learn how to be a blacksmith and they're just desperately trying to find an anvil and anvils have gone through the roof. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I don't know. What do you guys think? A uh, um, hundred pound Peter Wright in great shape. What is it going for now? Like five, eight, 600 bucks six, plus 800 bucks, you know, if like, it's an
0: in mint condition, 800.
2: Yeah. 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 And, and so I was like, dude, like you, you're not even a blacksmith and you've got like, 40 anvils why? why why you know like there's so many people out there that want to learn how to become a blacksmith and can't even find an animal
1: driving because I hate
2: blacksmiths
1: <laughs> <laughs> just so, driving up the market so anyways, jerk yeah so
2: anyways just so you <laughs> know guys that guy at some point is gonna kick the bucket. And there's going to be an auction at his house.
1: Oh,
2: my God. <laughs> and there's going to be 40 or plus anvils come up for sale. And I, uh, I'm i telling you, I I don't know what the guy's name is. I lost his phone number. But, dude. that uh,
0: If you go work, go work for Paul, you're that much closer to Grand Forks. Yeah. So, anyways, just so you
2: know, the urban legend now exists that there is a honey hole at Grand Forks, oh. British Columbia somewhere there's a re- in a, in some retired guy's garage there is a hoard like the hoard of smog from uh yeah from, from the
1: hobbit <laughs> <laughs> you can't sniff him up with the coal you, you can't like heat trace yeah, yeah. it because it's not burning yeah. propane
0: yeah, yeah. I, so i know i know a, I know a guy in regina that's got an interesting collection actually i know a guy guy in regina has a big collection um mark Zerkowski. Okay. He's got, and it's not just anvils. He's got like swage blocks, and okay. you know, got. I think he has a couple power Those hammers. Never come up. Actually, where did you get your swage block, Linden? That's the other collector I know is a guy in Saskatoon, and he's he he dumped his collection though, so he doesn't. Oh. Yeah, I happened to get it when he was dumping his collection. So no way. Mm. he he was telling me at one point he had thirty plus anvils. A, Wackload of swage blocks, power hammers. Yeah, Mm -hmm. but he dumped it all.
2: Yeah, I got my swage blocks from Centaur Forge. Oh yeah, Mm. yeah, and they've served me very well. And I got them right when I started my business in two thousand one.
0: Is that the Um, one that's in Ontario, Centaur, or where? No, they're in Wisconsin. Okay,
2: yeah. And uh, yeah, they're they're like a matching pair, so that if you put them together, they on the one side they they have a cone swage.
0: Yeah, so, right. That's yeah. that set. Yeah, so that yeah. the that, that, that if you put the two anvils side by side, the cone goes all the way through both the, anvils. You mean the swage block. Sorry, yeah. the swage block. Yeah, the cone goes through the two of them. Yeah, a I'll reset, say. a recessed cone. Just I yeah. see Justin's yeah. looking all confused.
1: Yeah, you bet. Yeah, yeah so sorry. so it's I'm, tapered, I'm, I'm, tapered, tapered down. down. And then there's another taper in the second swage block. Well, imagine, or they protrude. No, No. it it, just imagine if you if you
2: had two swage blocks laying side by side, flat, Mm -hmm. and the cone is a point on the one, and and and, then it fans out, and then as it gets to the second swage block, the cone continues at the same trajectory. So that it it continues um, all the way through to the second swage block, so it it forms a cone shape that gets bigger and bigger and bigger.
1: Oh, okay. So you could take a cone mandrel.
2: Yeah, you could
0: take like a cone mandrel and lay it on top of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
2: interesting. So, and a cone mandrel is actually one tool that I don't
0: have. Is that a tool you want? You know, I had one at Fort Steele, and I almost never used it. That's so, something I've heard a lot from a lot yeah. of people is it's not really that used of a tool. Some yeah. people seem to really want one, but then they kind of like, yeah. yeah. So what happened is that um, wheelwrights used to use them a lot
1: right. in the old days.
2: Because when they put the bands around the, the hubs, the wagon wheel hubs, yeah, they put them on there in an angle. They're at a very slight angle.
0: Okay. And the cone
2: does it for you. And the cone does it for you. Is there a reason why they're angled? It keeps them on there tighter, longer.
1: Okay. Like a wedge?
2: Yeah, it's kind of like a wedge shape, yeah. Interesting. Is it intermission? I got my ale here. Oh. (laughs) Ginger Ginger ale.
0: Canada dry. Canada
1: dry. Hey. 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 The shout out we got this week on... Uh, the Workfort podcast. That was fucking rad, dude. Man, that's he's said it a few times before that he enjoys our show, man. But wow, yeah. the love, hey? Eh? Yeah, yeah. That one. I don't know why that one. When I heard it today, it was just unexpected. I was working on some knives. And listening to it, and it just I was like, "Oh, he's mentioning the the working hands podcast that's cool that's a good podcast. I like it too and then forge side chat, and I was like, What as if he's like shouting us out again i was uh, yeah. uh we we are not paying him for this. It's like it's, <laughs> the advertisement's awesome I'm it was great it. i i <laughs> I loved it. I loved hearing that so
0: and actually so right, firing right a shout out Adam,
1: Weaking a shout-out. Oh, okay, outs. fine. Um, <laughs> I've got my shout-out for this week. Uh, I've got several of them, actually. But Ooh. I'll start with Dustin Lowen. So oh, on yeah. the last podcast, I was talking about um, making serrations and needing a different grinder to do the serrations. He reached out to me saying that he had built a jig to hang on to his uh, – the heck is that little router, like a hand router, a Dremel – so it's a jig that hangs onto the Dremel and he uses that to create his serrations in his blades. And I was like, all right, well, I just saved a couple grand on a grinder. Awesome. <laughs> Still want a grinder, but whatever. So I really appreciated that. Uh, Steve Grio, he reached out f- to me, just messaged me saying hi, enjoying the podcast, and had a good chat with him about uh, power hammers. And uh, there was someone else from Australia. I don't recall who it was, but he reached out too. So if you're listening, thank you. But the other shout outs that I have are the people that bought stickers, Lyndon. Oh, sweet. Yeah. yeah. Do you know who bought stickers this week? Well, you were telling me a list before. Have you added to that? Or is is there more? We have Mark DeGeorge, Christopher Green, Chris Rowan, Tyler Dyes, Steven Zucharme, Kevin Charbonneau, Nick Tobin, Chris Dixon, Dustin Lowen, and Mark LeBan. Nice. Yeah. So we sold a butt ton of stickers. I forget who it was exactly. Wait, 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 wait. Someone bought five stickers. Someone bought What's, three stickers. What exactly is a butt ton? A butt ton? <laughs> yeah.
0: It's like, that's like, if- do you measure that in bananas? <laughs> no. Take that back to the, the Nick Tobin episode that we did there, episode five. <laughs> yeah. Amazon. I'm getting out of this room. I now have a butt ton. <laughs>
1: yes, yes. So those are my shout outs. Um, thanks, guys super appreciate it it was fun seeing some orders coming through uh the rainy day forge website if anyone else is interested in purchasing a sticker to support forge side chat there are five bucks shipped and uh i think they look pretty good there's an anvil and some flowers on it there's a picture on instagram
2: anvil did you say anvil
1: there's an anvil (laughs) and three (laughs) roses above it whoa can i buy one it's just 10 man for oh, sure I'm they're one. only five, they're only five bucks man buy, I'm, two. I'm, oh,
2: buy two, man if it's got an anvil on it I'm buying it
0: awesome I awesome. like it and
1: it's it's pretty big it covers the palm of my hand so oh man wow Lyndon who's your shout out dude
0: well I think I have shouted them I've shouted out one of them I think before I don't know if I've done both it's okay of them. man and we've spoken about what they do a few times but you know what it's the guys at the Forgecast, man. I really got to shout them out for what they do. Um, they're they're community guys, man. They're all about community, growing the community. What they're doing is absolutely amazing. The knowledge that they drop in every episode mm. is just you can't beat it. I mean, we're a bunch of hose heads over here at our on our show, just having take a coffee, eh? take off eh? pretty much. It, it, you know what? If it get, wasn't get for having. Juke, eh? Oh, my toque is nice, <laughs> Jeez. I got a I got a Revelstoke Stoke toque.
2: Oh we, man, I want a forge side forge forge side chat toque. Man, I like so that do I idea. with the
0: with the anvil and the
2: rose. I would, I would buy that
0: toque. Yeah.
2: We interrupted to, your shout out. I'm sorry.
0: Get our merch game <laughs> oh, I, going. I was talking about uh Sam Towns and um Alex, Alex. Norton. Yeah, Sam Towns, Bladesmith, and Valhalla Ironworks, they are the hosts of the Forgecast, and like I was saying, every episode is just chock full of knowledge. If we didn't have guests on our show, there was no way we'd even come close to comparing to them. Thankfully, we get guests on our show that are chock full of knowledge as well, so there's... You know, I I I can't compare us to them, though, man. Like, seriously, those guys research and, everything
1: to the T, dude. And they're I feel bad YouTube. for them. Why? He just posted something on Instagram saying that during their recording, they had some audio issues and that they're... Uh, their in their interview might not be published. So, oh man, yeah, it might be a, a lull between the two weeks.
0: That's weird because I was ju- I just went on Instagram and I saw it pop up their uh their their new thing here. Techn- oh fuck, I did not read that. That's too bad, man. Unfortunate. Yeah, no. That's unfortunate. Oh, well,
1: you I know what it. though? The- I get it. Dealing <laughs> with technology is a pain in the ass. Yeah, yeah. Right. I get it. I get it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right Paul's on his second computer
0: of the night.
2: <laughs> my 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 third Google Chrome download.
0: <laughs> Changing settings like crazy. Yeah. Oh, I'm just glad this thing wasn't live.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No kidding. <laughs> oh, Sorry, I cut you off, Lyndon. I yeah, whatever. I don't know. Cha ching! For- <laughs> You're at uh, the Forgecast. Forge well, cast. yeah,
0: I know. I was yeah. talking about the Forgecast. I, I gave them the shout out. I gave them some love. Beautiful. I say, check them out. Follow them on Instagram, Valhalla Ironworks. He's, uh, he kind of, they're t- talking about it on their show about how they kind of blew up YouTube with, um, Valhalla Ironworks. He did a Kumai video. Okay. And no sooner did he do his Kumai video, and pretty much everyone, everyone and their dog was doing Kumai all of a sudden. Mm. But, uh, And I've heard them talk about Baker Forge, Koi Baker, before. And if I'm not mistaken, he's the originator of Kumai. Okay. so
1: Just a a last point before we get to Paul's shout-out. There's also, this week, someone published an image of a blade similar to Kumai, but the line in it was like a deep red. And... The process was not explained. It was in a doctored photo, which mm. is what was we were told anyway. I think Blade Magazine published it, and I I don't recall who was the original poster, but looked really interesting. Hmm. So, cool cool stuff happening with the pattern welding steel. So,
0: uh, there's a lot of possibilities out there still yet, man.
1: Oh yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I think, if I'm not mistaken, Alex and Sam are actually talking about the coffee etching and how there's parts of it that just aren't really understood yet. Mm. It's it's beyond my realm, so I apologize. But Aliens. Conspiracies. <laughs> One of the things that he said, that this is a good tip, is when you're doing your coffee etch, make sure whatever you've got your coffee in is full clean and that your blade is clean
1: because any sort of oil will cause yeah. blotching on your blade oh yeah that's with even acid etching you yeah, need okay. to make sure it's really clean otherwise the acid won't touch the steel cool. like i buffed i i actually i did that this week i was buffing a blade i worked on a, a little paring knife w2 and i wanted to get the hamon really popping and uh pop 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 i was i was trying a bunch of different stuff going to the buffer and hand sanding and stuff but going from the buffer i left a little bit of the uh the buffing compound you could see this the blotches on it so Hmm. definitely got to clean it up you ever seen the movie Half Baked before?
0: I have. Oh hey there lady, you look hungry.
1: <laughs> I'm not gonna see the rest of it. Wait, hang on, it's the the name of the horse is Biscuit, right?
0: That's right. That's right.
1: <laughs> That's like my favorite part in the whole movie. I know. <laughs> what does he feed the horse? Popcorn. <laughs> Is it popcorn? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He can't feed the horse popcorn. He's allergic to popcorn. (laughs) Uh, But he calls the horse something else, not biscuit. Muffin? No, it's something that sounds like biscuit shit i'm going to have to watch that show this week oh. we'll talk about it next episode <laughs> <laughs> i kind of want to watch it again to be honest too man we should yeah, get to get got to come over DVD. this
0: weekend so do i man Let's, yeah. we'll 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 i'll, I'll dust off the b and uh, we'll we'll head on to the med shop and we'll have a great time
1: <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what your b is but you
0: don't know what the b is yeah well you're not getting the d you're getting the b
1: tell you that nope. much? You're gonna dust off your bum?
0: No. The
1: be, <laughs> I the don't be- know what you're talking about? The be hizzle nizzle, man. Yeah. Jeez. Did you understand that, Paul? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to <laughs> Fort sorry. Side chat. Uh, sorry,
0: but no. it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you're, that's why you were laughing, hey? Yeah, yeah, that's funny. That's well, funny. you know what? Enough about me. Who's your shout out, Paul? Who you want to well, you want to give love? I want to give a big shout out to
2: my old apprentice Timothy Dick. Oh. who is in Abbotsford, Abbotsford, British Columbia YouTuber. Nice. Yes. And uh, he love is still forging ahead even though he survived the great flood. <laughs>
0: yeah that was it that was crazy he got
2: lucky he got lucky i i he was his apartment building is kind of on a hill and it's like the apartment complex i guess and there's like three or four apartment buildings and his is on the highest part of the hill and the like he i was facetiming with him and you could see the water came right up to where his parking lot is and the lower parking lot you could just barely see the roof of the cars under the water. So, okay.
1: so the people that don't know who Timothy Dick is, who's uh, who's Timothy Dick? Paul
2: Tim Timothy Dicks is uh, is a blacksmith in Abbotsford, BC, who started his own uh, blacksmithing YouTube channel, and uh, he does some really cool stuff. He, uh, one of the things he just did was he got. Uh, commissioned by the new Lord of the Rings game to make, to make a life-sized <laughs> replica of the witch's flail. Ah, that's a wicked video, oh. dude. Yeah. Oh. And it is like so heavy (laughs) it must weigh 300 pounds i I did see that they they
1: mount it onto the bucket of a tractor or something uh, excavator excavator, yeah Yeah. and they drive that thing
2: into a car yeah yeah and then they test it so there's one whole video on how they made it um and then there's another whole video on them just destroying stuff with it (laughs) which is pretty funny they they strapped a a a flat screen tv to the roof of a car and then drove the car drove
0: the car into it and then
2: (laughs) took the took the flat screen tv right off the roof of the car so (laughs) it's pretty awesome so tim is just killing it out there um and uh he's just a great guy a super hard worker and uh yeah so that's my shout out tim dick keep forging ahead buddy
1: Nice. Awesome. May, the forge,
2: be with you. Oh, May yeah. the forge be with you. Uh, nice.
1: And he's documenting a lot of his work. Everything, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. He do- and yeah. he doesn't
0: hide stuff either. Like if he makes mistakes, he lets people know his <laughs> yeah. mistakes, man. Yeah.
2: And then he's like, "Whoo, that was bad." <laughs> that was one of his. <laughs> one life. that was bad.
0: <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite videos of him was uh, doing his diffusion welding on the lathe. That yeah, was cool. Yeah, yeah. Very cool, man. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, and he does. He dives into all sorts of stuff. Like he had an electrical problem with. What was it his mill? I think he had, had an electrical problem, so he was tearing yeah. apart his mill, trying to figure out the electrical problem yeah. on there, and
2: yeah. yeah. And he also got a a pneumatic uh, upsetter, an upsetting upset oh, tool. Interesting. And uh, he repurposed it into a slitter for axe heads. Oh, and that's it is cool. amazing. Amazing. Yeah, he's yeah. pumping out axes like crazy, isn't he? Yeah, so he, yeah. He, he, he just can uh punch the hole through the axe head with this this pneumatics uh upsetter tool. Yeah, pretty cool. Damn. Pretty cool stuff. One smart, blow type smart thing. smart guy. Holy crap! Smart, yeah, nice, way, smart. way, way smarter than me, and it's young like, too, right? Yeah, he started apprenticing with me when he was 18. So Sweet. yeah, so he's uh, I don't know how old he is now. It's maybe like twenty seven, twenty eight now. I think so.
0: Looks yeah, about so, right. Yeah, yeah. So he just started started a family. Energy.
2: Up. Yeah, he's got a young family, and uh, yeah, so yeah, it's doing good. So shout out to Timothy Dick.
1: Nice. So. For the listeners, go check out his YouTube channel. It is entertaining and well filmed, and the guy's a hoot too. It's, it's yeah. uh yeah, it's good. Well, click a little energy. bell. And he's a real get, like, Announced when a new video comes out as well. So don't yeah. just follow. Click that little bell. And he's uh, he's got tons of
2: energy when he's doing his videos. So yeah, yeah, yeah. A never dull
0: moment. He's, he's almost. I would say he's the Canadian Alex Steele. Honestly, his videos. <laughs> Like yeah, he, pretty good. Pretty good yeah. stuff. So uh, Very, right. very yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure? Check him out. Well, no, okay, yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> Take off, eh? <laughs> Take off. There's way too many hosers on this show. <laughs> <laughs> where's, my, where's my hose head dog at, eh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Breaking a beer. Only one of us has got a Budski going on. I know. I've (laughs) taken it easy on that. (laughs) Take it easy there, Budski. You probably tell too, my demeanor on the show isn't as gnarly as it normally would be. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. A little tame. Tame. Tame their down. Yeah. Tame tame the cat. That's okay. (laughs) She prefers when you lick the cat, but whatever. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Justin.
1: <laughs> Justin. <laughs> uh, writing that down to edit it out is what's going on <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh come on you, you've said that before i've edited it out <laughs>
2: <laughs> but no i'm we'll taking stay. that out
1: maybe it'll no. stay maybe it'll <laughs> stay
2: taking it out
1: well this needs to be published no, tomorrow morning. No, so. Don't
0: take it out. Don't not yet.
1: <laughs> now it's really coming out. Now it's staying. Now it's staying. <laughs> they reinforced it with a funny thing.
0: <laughs> Justin just doesn't want to edit. He's like, wait a minute. It's Friday night. Come on, guys. Uh, oh
1: man. Oh. Well, boys, I'm, it's I'm, been two hours. We started about half an hour in because you hit the record button. Well, maybe not half an hour. Actually, I can tell you 13 minutes in. Okay. It's an hour uh an hour forty-seven. Yeah. That's that's yeah. decent. Let's yeah. uh let's wrap it up and take it to the after show. Okay. Good day. Good day. Good day I'm, I'm filming the uh my my build on these two knives. I hope I get a few views <laughs> <laughs> it's so
2: hard to film you, you, uh, you, you know if you don't get very many views it it means that you've failed as a human being. <laughs> That's what it means.
0: Oh, I'm straight, straight go to, to the heart. In my bed. It's like, no. You
2: know, I, my kid, my kids on, on on Instagram, they're always like like they make fun of me because I have a YouTube channel and I have like seventeen
1: subscribers. <laughs> <laughs> so you cried yourself to sleep as well, right?
2: They're <laughs> like, Dad, you've got 17 <laughs> subscribers <laughs> <laughs> yeah. whoa dad this video's got 56 views <laughs> what
1: Holy moly. Yeah. I would get students who would like miss you and be like yeah what what do you want <laughs> <laughs> like I found your YouTube channel I'm like, oh alright so uh, that's cool what do you think You know what you should do it's like oh come on (laughs) (laughs) really
0: oh man you know what you should do hey
2: yeah totally yeah so when you when are you gonna launch your your knife build video
1: uh well i'm because it's a filleting knife I would like to acquire myself a fish. <laughs> so I'm either going ice fishing or I'm going to drive to the, I don't know, my parents sent me a link to a, a store in Winnipeg that'll sell me a fish. So <laughs> It's not nearly
0: as cool if you <laughs> buy no, your God. own fish.
1: <laughs> Come I, on.
0: <laughs> you got to catch your own <laughs> fish.
1: I'm aware, but, like, I also have, like, I can get stock footage and, like oh, – Make it look like I'm fishing, but it won't be me <laughs> at, at all. And I'll just play that as a joke. And, then, of and like, then
2: whoever's like will be like, "That fish is not native to
0: Manitoba lakes."
1: <laughs> <A> red snapper. <laughs> D- David will call you on that one. Did you just
2: make a red snapper
1: reference? That was what Um, was it? YTV? No, UHF. UHF. Yes. Oh, you're stupid. Stupid.
2: There's nothing in the box. (laughs) Well, you can take what Kumasan is coming down the aisle right now. What's in the box, (laughs) Kumasan? Yes. My favorite part is where he goes. Oh,
1: Weaver. (laughs) Delicious. Very tasty.
2: (laughs) I just watched that show. It was on TV, and I watched it with my son, who's 14. And he was like, Dad, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. This is so cringe. (laughs)
0: He's like, I'm like,
2: that's why it's funny because it's dumb. It's supposed to be dumb. Everyone knows it's dumb. The people making it know it's dumb. Everybody knows it's dumb. That's why it's funny.
1: (laughs) Is it Weird Al's only film? Yeah, it's Weird Al's (laughs) only film. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm I'm glad, actually. You. you... He's like, he's like uh, George. Just like do the joke and walk away.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: But that's where Kramer got his start, eh?
1: Yeah. Kramer from uh, Seinfeld. Actually, there's a movie it, it, that might be a start, but the, he also acted in some horror flick as well, and he huh. he kind of steals the show because <laughs> he's a, a goofball in that as well. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have you? I guess you haven't seen that movie, Lyndon. You UHF. know,
0: what? I I think I have, but I totally do not remember it whatsoever, dude. Okay, you know,
2: I don't remember seeing Kramer in a horror movie.
1: So. I, I haven't seen it either. I was watching a YouTube channel. There's, I run a a YouTube group on Facebook for for Winnipeg. It's highly unsuccessful. I know the reason why I cry myself to sleep, but the. Uh, <laughs> One of the members, he runs uh, like a retro horror movie review channel, and (laughs) I check it out every now and then.
2: Oh, man. Yeah. So your fillet knife is almost
1: done? Yeah, I'm ready for putting handles on. So I have one that I'm going to put, I think, Bokote and the other handle i'm using micarta i have black kind of like an ocean blue and a bright blue so the 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 black and the ocean blue are kind of liners and then the bright blue is uh is like a quarter inch Hmm. i think the the blue and the micarta one's going to be awesome Uh, that's going to solve the wood they're going to be so sexy
2: as my as my my kid would say it's going to be bussin Bussin. Wow. Bussin. He wants to be on TikTok. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> the new that's the new the 14 year olds. It's bussin'. Mm-hmm.
0: Huh. So crazy. <laughs> Hope so. Hope so. Every day I'm bussing. Every day I'm busting. <laughs> <laughs> like, would it be bustling? No, every day I'm bustling. Every day I'm bustling. bustling. Yeah, that that could work. We could do a remix on that. You should make fun of your kid for that one. (laughs) Next time he says you're bus and be like, every day I'm bustling. (laughs) See his reaction.
2: Yeah, I think it'd be an eye roll. Oh, of course, right? (laughs) And he'd just look at me and say, "Boomer,
1: no." He'd do that?
0: No, you wouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah. Are you are you a boomer at this point? I don't, I I'm don't even know. I don't know what is a boomer.
2: Baby boomers were born in the fifties and sixties, weren't they?
0: My parents think, are yeah. boomers. Yeah, yeah. So, I think my no, mom would was, be a boomer. Yeah, yeah. So I was boomers born in are, the 70s. are the kids
2: born right after
0: World War II. Yeah. Okay. So I'm
2: am I'm 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 a '70s child, so I guess I'm not really a boomer.
0: No. Yeah. What so, was that era considered the that was the
2: hippie free love era. I don't
0: yeah, know it was what a bit they, of the hippie free love. Yeah, yeah, disco, That's- you know. They didn't, they didn't really they forgot about labeling your generation. Yeah, I don't know what that generation is <laughs> called. They, yeah. like, they, they waited till like they waited until Gen X, then they just were like, well, oh, we gotta start labeling all these motherfuckers. They couldn't remember Why? what to name it re-
2: because they were smoking so much pot. <laughs> yeah, they forgot. <laughs> <laughs> what happened, dude? What, what what dude? There are
1: so many shops in town now. It's crazy. I know, dude. What, I drove kinda- to get my tattoo there today. And I was like, "Oh, there's a pot shop there." Do, then, do you think oh, that there's another one right there? Is it possible that they're all actually a viable business? I have a cousin that just going to say you bought into one, so I'm. I hope so. I hope. So so. So. My understanding just, there's is so a, many of them, though. I just, I just don't understand. Like, there's more of them than freaking Tim Hortons now. I know.
0: <laughs> there's more weed vendors than there are beer vendors. It's, I know.
1: It's just
0: you know what? You're right. There is like there's seriously there's gotta like be triple they'll they'll be across the street from each other man it's in, it's just brutal dude yeah there must
2: be a lot of
1: markup the <laughs> wall it's a plant it's I'll like, put it just into, plant to seed and grow it I'll put and it to this way lead. yeah on a commercial <laughs> level
0: they can very easily grow grams for under a buck wow yeah. yeah like it's the the possibility is very easily there in a commercial level if they're doing it using uh, aeroponics and they've got the proper lighting and everything like that for sure. Mm-hmm. So and then they're selling it at $10 a gram so look at that markup. Yeah. That's yep. why the black market was so awesome to be part of back in the day, right? When it came to <laughs> I don't know, Lyndon. That's why all, all, the, kid, that's why all the kids were hustling grounds at school. Fuck. Yet how many freaking high school like how many like I I didn't have a huge exposure to it growing up where I grew up, being up north in a small town. Right. right. But we moved to Winnipeg and my brother went to high school here, man, and he was
1: like, dude, like every kid's selling weed at school. Really? Yeah, man. I didn't know mm-hmm. anyone at school that was selling drugs. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, my brother I, I was
1: like a little French small French town out of the city there, so oh yeah. So, like you knew it was around, but it wasn't like uh like you, I didn't know who was selling drugs in, in the school.
0: Could have just well, been who my brother is too right maybe i'm
1: lying so so where i
2: grew up guys i remember one day the the police helicopter flew over and uh had they had a big net and uh they filled the net with 750 pot plants from my neighbor's property wow because where i grew up was like one of the number one pot growing areas yeah yeah
0: yeah. And, and there was people there that just, that was what they did. They grew Wow. wow. I was just where I think it was accident anvil podcast was talking about it. There's an area in California. You mm. do not go there because the people that live there are growing dope in the back country and shit like that. And they're all like defending it. People no. go missing there, man like and there's there's a movie about it they were talking there's a movie about it on Netflix i can't remember what it is now but some guy like fucking like what was it they hacked up a body or something like that and then the like <laughs> the guy came back to the house and they're like Did yeah, they man. It's, a bo- we found a body and then <laughs> it just like turned into this like crazy story i can't remember how oh, it went no. but yeah we'll yeah. see in
2: in the in the west kootenays um what happened was in the seventies, a, a lot of draft dodgers came into that area to mm. escape the U.S. Uh, yeah. war in Vietnam, and because they were illegals, they couldn't get a, a SIN number, right? And so a lot of trying them started, to get a job, a lot of them started growing pot. They weren't like gangsters or bad dudes. Or hippies
1: trying to yeah. They were escape. just hippies yeah, just to 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 find to a work. way
2: to you know they're already on the other side of the law, right? Yeah. Because they're there illegally. And so they just started growing pot to make a living. So that's kind of how it got started in that area. Hmm. Yeah. Look at us now.
0: Yeah. Hmm.
2: And the now it's weed legal and coffee Thanks to Justin Trudeau.
0: Well, you know what, man? I don't know. A lot of people like. Well, here we are. We're going to go into That's politics. 70's show. Yeah. No, you know, you know yeah. what though, man? When it comes to politics, do people like to point fingers at all oh, the prime minister did this, the prime minister did that? It's it's not doesn't come down to one person, right? Yeah. yeah. But he was the guy. He them.
2: was the first guy who was like the first politician who was who said, you know what, maybe it's not it. maybe not a bad thing to legalize this. You know. Yeah. Well.
1: You so. think of all the people that are in jail for yeah. selling yeah. or growing, yeah. trying to satisfy yeah. the market that existed. Yeah. And now it's businesses that are doing it and paying taxes. Yeah. I, I see the benefits yeah. of it. Yeah. And the guys that were doing it illegally, I don't know. My perspective was uh, gangs. Yeah, gangs, gangs hells, gang angels. Pilots. Yeah,
2: you know. And it's, it's illegal, oh, yeah. And yeah. Uh, and the uh, the pot industry now is... is far safer than it was before because people were smoking before pot anyways, right? So, yeah.
0: yeah, you're not going and buying an ounce and worrying about the person taking your money and just running with it, that's for sure. Yeah. That's something you had to worry about back in the day on the black market if you would have met somebody in a back alley somewhere to pick up from them. And like, um, just okay.
2: like, Actually, I'm just here to take your money.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 yeah, yeah. They, they pull up they had pull up a gun and say, Okay, give me the stuff. And you're like, Seriously? Holy fuck. For fucking a bag of weed, dude? Okay, here.
1: See you later. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Scary stuff. Now you can stop at any corner pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> a bag here anyway. <laughs> pick which side of the corner yeah. you want to go to, fuck. It's
0: crazy. That's yeah, mental. Yeah. Well, man, uh, I think I gotta continue my night here and get on to some business.
1: Oh, you going out to the shop or? Um, I gotta fix the hot tub. Oh. <laughs> Fun. Yeah. I, I it's almost exactly there, though. We going it's, it's
0: there. Honestly, the pump's in place. The only problem is, is that it, I didn't. My I had the space heater underneath to keep it warm because it's starting yeah, to get yeah. cold and the space heater has the little safety trigger underneath so that if it's like not sitting falls level over. or whatever yeah. falls over it turns off. Well, thankfully it has that because it fell over. Wow but it turned off and I didn't realize that. So when we went to work on it last night, everything was actually a little on the cold side. It wasn't like cold, cold or freezing yet, but it was cold in there. And the guy was like, dude, and after being in there and doing all the work and all the heat escaping, he was like, I'm worried about playing with these lines and then breaking. So I'm not hooking it up to the pump yet. That's the last thing that needs to be done. And he said, like the guy's like, I'll come over tomorrow morning and do it. And I'm like thinking to myself, I could probably just go there and, as much as I don't want to, just go do it. Even though it's supposed to be real nice tomorrow, and it's pretty mm-hmm. fucking cold out there. Still, I think. Don't know. But, oh yeah, it's minus twenty two right now, dude. It got colder. chilling That's that's chilly. nasty,
1: dude. So, yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, I gotta we'll get going,
2: going here too, guys. So
0: good, good stuff, man. Paul. Thank yeah. you so much,
1: Paul. Oh, Best exactly. of luck to you. I'm I'm gonna really consider like putting my investigator hat on and my trench coat driving out to grand forks and finding <laughs> the knocking hole. on a few doors excuse me have you ever worked for the wood mill oh.
0: excuse <laughs> just, me if to you go ever... to the
1: go to the mill start yeah. talking
0: around at the mill so oh. linden and oh, i for... are gonna put okay, our edit, investigator edit, edit hats. Edit this out edit this out
2: <laughs> <laughs> just start handing out forge side chat stickers have you
1: seen one of these <laughs> Paul, thank you so much. Okay, thanks night. guys I
2: appreciate it. You okay. didn't have your toque right, man.
0: My toque is off. Okay. Okay, a, Okay, that was a good that was a good call. Okay. <laughs> okay, <laughs>